Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me. With me, as always, the cold clearly bothering him anyways, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Mike, I am getting ready to move to Florida within the month. Couldn't happen at a sooner and better time. It's getting way too cold to be in this garage. <laughs> what, a, what a statement about our podcast happening in a garage currently. Um, <laughs> we have a great show for you today coming out of that garage and this living room. Um, mm. It's Friday, which means we're going to take a look ahead at the weekend slate of games here. We've got airline news, Ticketmaster demise news, plenty mm. of picks coming your way. But Brandon, your note about the leather, weather, the perfect segue into maybe the biggest story, at least going into Friday this weekend as yes. we look at the NFL slate coming up, which I got to go on the Mina Kime show featuring Lenny the other day, talk about some of these games, and Shut up. as we talked about with Mina, a bunch of interesting games that included the Browns and the Buffalo Bills. Cleveland was supposed to be heading out to Buffalo that, as we mentioned yesterday, was set to receive a truly dangerous amount of snow, like the potential for up to four feet of lake effect snow heading into Buffalo this weekend. And so on Thursday, the NFL made the decision to move that game to Detroit. Brandon, as someone who spoke out yesterday with my disdain of snow games and not really enjoying it, it was 
incredible to watch a lot of people upset about them trying to move this game out of a place that might be legitimately dangerous. There's so much snow. I, I, I hear it, Mike, but I think a lot of people are thinking that's their danger for everyone for us to kind of watch and, and surmise and enjoy as entertainment. It's like, oh, are y'all going to move them to the damn dome? Like, like these are two teams that home fields are on grass. Like this is this is enough of a obstacle in itself. It 100% is, and you're so right. The entire snow theory I have is predicated on the fact that this narrative is driven by the people who watch from the comfort of their own home. Like, everyone <laughs> snuggled up under a blanket who's just like, why won't they go out here and give me the beautiful visuals that I want? And don't get me wrong, I was watching that Central Michigan game the other night on Wednesday night ma- uh, football and seeing someone build a snowman sitting in the stands watching the game. It's all great theater from oh, man, here. Boyfriend. Like, yeah, yeah, watch out for Snowman Boyfriend, by the way. That motherfucker cold. Hey, Mr. Steel Girl, his nickname. Go ahead, though. (laughs) Um, Brian McCarthy, uh, the NFL's... P, uh, does PR for the NFL uh, put out the statement that said due to public safety concerns and out of an abundance of caution in uh, light of the ongoing weather emergency in western New York the game will be played at Ford Field now Brandon the best part of this game being moved to Ford Field outside of getting to potentially see I don't know the actual offensive game plans executed in this game is the fact that according to Tony Grassi who writes over at uh, for the covering the Browns uh, and works at 850 ESPN in Cleveland. There is an indoor carnival in Ford Field on Friday that now has to be dismantled for Browns no. Bills to happen on Sunday. <laughs> no, that's not right. That's not right because them kids bought them carnival tickets, Mike, just the same way as plenty of betters. I imagine around DK Nation. Bet the under for this game. So, like, are they going to are they going to well, switch the line, switch so the bet, like switch the as the props? I as I found out, and I will have to check and see if this is true for DraftKings, but I assume it is. Most places do void the bet once location is moved for a game because there okay. is so much that changes here for this game. And as we look Man. at this one now, currently, Brandon, the line for this game sitting at Bills minus eight and a half, the over under forty eight and a half right now. Damn. So I think that's gone up a little bit uh from the beginning of the week but uh yeah points expected to be on display in this game brandon now that the track is going to be dry and nice inside yes mike i am uh a little bit upset still about the carnival uh you know all my detroit people 313 uh f free world i'm 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 unfortunately i'm upset about that for them but they can go to bell owl and get down the slide but uh this game though mike turf toe like I, I, I think there's a little bit of disrespect because Nick Chubb with a with a roof, like Nick Chubb in a mall. I think I think he might run all over that. The, the, I think you know the Bills are, are made to stop the pass, which obviously Jacoby Brissett does plenty of, and he's 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 definitely a formidable passer. But Nick Chubb, what y'all gonna do about that? Yeah, so this game becomes really interesting when you look at the on the ground portion of it because. With Buffalo, we don't think of them as a rushing team, and yet their opportunity in this game is going up against a Brown rush defense that's one of the worst in football. Now, they might be getting Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa back at linebacker, but in general, Anthony Walker Jr. had already been on, I believe, injured reserve. Jacob Phillips had been on injured reserve. Wu was out last week. Like You couple that with the way that their defense is just structured up front, right? Big wide nine techniques. You put Clowney and Miles Garrett out there and 
try and get them edges against pat, you know pass rushing situations, but in rundowns leaves you completely vulnerable. So I, I'd be interested for a Buffalo team that traded for Naheem Hines at the uh, before the trade deadline. That, oh yeah, you know. That already has Devin Singletary and that has a quarterback that runs as Josh Allen does. This seems like a game where you could and should have plenty of opportunities to go and burn them right up the middle of that defense if you're ever going to use that part of your offense this year. Yeah, we'll see if they have any uh, QB draws uh, mapped out for for, uh, Josh Allen on third down. Yeah, oh, it, it seems like it'd be the perfect storm for it. You mentioned on the other side, Brandon, I, I think for Buffalo defensively, we did see like Ed Oliver, those guys in the middle, very capable. Mm-hmm. Greg Rousseau being out for them does hurt them in the run defense portion of things as well. And I think for Cleveland offensively, the biggest issue, like we saw the Vikings take advantage of some big plays against a Buffalo secondary that's banged up. Jordan Poyer may be back in that secondary, but you might lose Tremaine Edmonds, who's been banged up this week in the linebacker room. So kind of unsure how that evens out, but like you look at what this Cleveland offense is able to do, and it's almost strictly run the ball, right? You've got an offensive line that's very good, but a passing attack that, as far as downfield options, is basically just Amari Cooper. Like, Donovan Peoples-Jones oh, Peoples okay. is a good receiver. Like, there are other no, good right. receivers on that offense, but it's not one that you think of for big plays. They're 15th in percentage of their offense that goes for completions of 20 or more yards down the field. And Jacoby Brissett, Damn. despite having an offensive line that gives him time, takes sacks at a higher rate than you would expect. They are third in pass block win rate up front, so their offensive line holding blocks for at least two and a half seconds, but they are 15th in sack percentage. So one of those things doesn't add up, right? you got a quarterback that's yeah. just patting the ball for a little bit too long and maybe receivers that aren't getting as open downfield. True. I do think that he probably – Drops a little bit too deep in the pocket too, you know yes. where the the you know he runs right into the the nine technique as you mentioned uh, lap. Uh, obviously, you're talking about the Browns, but but yeah, there's there's something about Jacoby Brissett that's like it, there's something about the decision making from the snap to him throwing the ball that makes sense of like why he's always been a backup. Yeah, and, and you know, and again, like he's been a very good backup. And as we're getting yeah. to now, Deshaun Watson being back in the building and starting to practice and all those things, as that eleven-week suspension is going to come to an end, Jacoby Brissett has, you know, he's done exactly what we've seen Jacoby Brissett do over long sample sizes, which be be able to man the helm. But if you leave him in there too long, eventually things are going to get kind of dicey. So. Uh, this is a game that, especially now that it's on a, di- a dry track, I think tilts overwhelmingly in Buffalo's favor. Like, but um, you know, as we mentioned, yeah. who knows? Uh, there is an illness going around the Buffalo Bills locker room, which had some guys uh, out of practice this week. So, something to keep an eye on there. But in general, I leave lean pretty overwhelmingly in favor of Buffalo here. I don't know, Mike. They should be sick that they lead Russia as Josh Allen. <laughs> No, I really do think that's an issue uh, that will show itself in November. And, oh, look what time it is. Huh, imagine that. Um, Brandon, (laughs) outside of uh, Snowfall driving them out of Orchard Park, um, I'd say looking up elsewhere going into this weekend, Cowboys and Vikings has been such an interesting thing to try and get our arms around because the line for this one jumped out and smelled like shit to everyone who saw it, right? The Vikings, who have one loss on the season, coming off of their signature win so far of 2022, are one-and-a-half-point dogs at home to the Dallas Cowboys. 
Okay, no, before you get into your expert an analyst about, that's not the right word, uh, about this game specifically, I think it may be just them preparing for a trap game for the Vikings. Anticipating the trap being set for them? Why? What are they looking ahead to? Or is it coming oh, down coming, off that com Buffalo win? Yes. Yes, coming off the coming down off the game of the 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 game of the year, them being the team that should have lost. Like I think they probably, I don't know, but it, it seems realistic that they can see the Cowboys and be like, all right, y'all y'all just lost to the the lowly Packers. Like we don't really have to worry about you. We are actual good football team. No, listen, I, I think. From like a like an emotional standpoint for both teams, you can probably sell some of that, right? Cowboys coming off that loss, absolutely jilted, got punched in the mouth up front on defense in a way that you know this is a former defensive lineman. Like I always think of when we have these conversations about running the ball versus passing the ball. I think of the Joker mm -hmm. in the Dark Knight talking about how he uses a knife because it's more personal. Like oh, running the yeah. foot running the football oh, yeah. is the NFL version of that. It hurts yes. a little more because it's so deeply tied to your pride as a football player. Yes, I was going to say it's demoralizing physically and mentally to just be dominated because it's like, okay, even if I make my matchup, the guy next to me and then our back end and even uh, all safety nets have been cut and it seems like we can't stop this nosebleed. No, exactly. And I, I think it's one of those things too, you go coming into this game, it's like, all right, the Minnesota Vikings, a team that very much, while they are Justin Jefferson and company on offense, Dalvin Cook is very much near the top of that pile as well. Their offensive line can run the ball very well in that stretch zone scheme. So I'd imagine if you're the Cowboys, that's the overwhelming focus this week. Like Dan Quinn's been around the block long enough to know that, yes, while their defense might not have a ton of big bodies in the middle, we talked about that with Ben Solak earlier in the week, that just physical makeup-wise – they're kind of what we talk about in the way that modern defenses has gone. Lighter, faster, try and make sure that you're trying to stop the pass and getting into third and long situations where they get to be the number one pressure team in football. And so I think for them, there's just, I mean, whether it's just committing more guys down to the box, like we'll get to the Eagles moves. They decided to solve their run game problems with personnel moves. For the Cowboys, yeah. it seems like you may have to solve that defensive structure by just getting more bodies in the box and saying, hey man, Justin Jefferson's probably going to get his no matter what. Like, that's just something yeah. you've got to kind of come to terms with if you're them. But if you're the Cowboys and you just sell out on early downs, trying to make sure you can get them into something resembling a third and longer down in distance, then you're at least playing to your strength. I'll be very curious to watch where they put Micah Parsons this week because last week, yeah. what whatever they thought of that game plan of, hey – how the Packers want to attack us. We'll put Micah back at off ball. We'll have him play more linebacker than we've seen most all of the season. No part of that really worked for anyone involved. And we saw Micah Parsons have as little an impact on a game as I feel like we've seen in a while. And so getting yeah. him back to where he's comfortable on an edge against a defense that wants to run a, or an offense, excuse me, that wants to major an outside zone, I think more than anything, you put him out there and you have him turning the ball back, wrecking the edge, doing the things that I think are the best part of his game probably going to be due for more success. So I think that'll be the thing I'm most curious to watch is how they end up deploying Mar Micah after what happened last week. Okay, but what do you think, and I'm not, I don't want to spoil uh, your picks later on today, but like, do you think that line is fair? 
I think that line is a more reasonable view of this football team than people dealing emotionally in public. Like everyone just wants to the do Vikings. the record. Everyone wants to do the record thing with the Vikings in public, right? Like me and my dad okay. just did the top yeah. five uh, again this week for DraftKings, and I right. I struggled with putting the Vikings above the Bills team that they just beat because I watched that game and said the Bills were a better team for most of that game. And it took an extraordinary yeah. set of circumstances. This was, to me, one of the most interesting but things. But you did, I, though. But I, I ended up doing it because I treat those kind of like the college football playoff rankings where I'm going to say, okay. all right, yeah. a head-to-head will matter for a while, and in the immediacy, mm-hmm. I'll give them that benefit of it because the games being played have to matter. But I don't think Minnesota's a better team than Buffalo, especially when Buffalo is healthy. Again, that's all part of football. Minnesota's dinged up too, all those things. But I thought this from the folks at Football Outsiders was really instructive, Brandon, because you remember like we'd always hear about hidden yardage. Like I remember so distinctly yes. in college practice when we would be jogging from one end of the field to the other for a drill, hearing Tyler Stockton, now a defensive coordinator for uh, Ball State, screaming out hidden yardage because it was that yard stuff that adds up <laughs> that isn't in the body of a period in practice. And they always talk about yes. that in games. I always thought that that was just code for special teams yards and because people don't value special it, uh- teams as much. Oh, and 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 penalties. I'll just tell you how I think of it as well. It's well, special teams yards and the penalties. And that's and that's what I would say is to me it's more penalties and the things that are hidden in that. And football outsiders in their article on this, shout out to Aaron Schatz, friend of the program. The Vikings are an incredible team when it comes to penalty differential. They're tied for fifth in penalties against, sixth in penalty yards against, and they are 30th in penalties and 27th in penalty yards themselves. So, and listen, I understand that from the outside, we do tend to also say some of that is coaching, right? When teams are doing bad and highly penalized, we did that with Mike McCarthy's Cowboys where we said, hey, that's... That part of that's on you. We're doing that with Nick Saban's Alabama team in college this year. So I'll give Kevin O'Connell that credit, but also say that that's probably not something sustainable. Them falling on four fumbles the way that they did in the Buffalo game, probably not sustainable, right? When you look at the things that are a little bit more predictive, they tended to skew in favor of Buffalo. Yeah, but I, I, hear, I hear you on that, but the takeaways is a very important differential that everyone can understand, right? And it's uh, if you have more, and if, if you're looking at the stat sheet going into a game, and this team has a, a very high turnover differential, then you know that they have a nose for the ball. Like, and, and there's, you can go back to uh, Charles Tillman, uh, who just punched the ball out. Like, the, there's that, that science, to talk about going back to football practice, there's that science for a defense that if you're going for a strip or if you're going for a turnover, then you're probably not that good of a, of a tackling team. Right, you can only really focus on one or the other. I feel like it's easy to say that the Vikings really do have a nose for the ball. And, so, and get the ball turned. Part over. of that is part of that is practiced, and part of that is the approach. It's one of the biggest differences, I think, from college to the NFL is you see guys that are so clearly coached every day to go and hunt the football the way that NFL defenders do. At the same time, it's been borne out that turnover luck is sort of a real thing. We saw that bite the Eagles in the ass the other night. Only turning True. the ball over three times through your first eight games isn't a sustainable pace for this. Football's just too chaotic. And so, yeah, you look in this game – as far as turnover margin, Minnesota and Dallas are both top five in the NFL. 
Like Philadelphia was overwhelmingly out in front of all this, but these are both teams that are top five in turnover. And so eventually you think regression might come there. And that's all I'm saying is I think this line is a reflection of understanding, not devaluing the fact that the Vikings find a way to win, but also looking at the things that go into it and say, all right, what are things that we can count on going forward and what are things that we can't? And I think one thing you can count on is the Cowboys imploding. And uh, their their uh, curse uh, is it Jaron Jaron curse already said Justin Jefferson's the best wide receiver in the NFL. I, th- I think that's a little talking about bulletin board material. That feels a little bit too complimentary. Well, I mean, who knows? Maybe it's one of those things where you play little mind games with Trevon Diggs and the guys oh. in those secondaries for Dallas. A little self Baltimore material there. Chestnut checkers, up. Brandon. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 I well, mean, you and- can keep Justin Jefferson out of the end zone and he'll still hurt you, but you can keep him out of the end zone. You absolutely can't. Listen, I I think bottom line, again, Justin Jefferson's so good on any given weekend, I count on him getting his. I think for the Cowboys, it's going to end up being far far more important what the Dalvin Cook uh, performance you get in this game is, and that's going to be a direct reflection of what do they do structurally to try and go and help themselves against that rush game there. And that goes to the offense on the other side too, right? Like you can't have a Dak turnover game like we had the last game. Yeah, no. I mean that's that's one of the reasons why the Cowboys can't uh, evolve. It's not 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 Dak specifically, but it happens, and it happens when it can't happen. Well, and this is going to be like one of those huge narrative games for the way that people outside talk about this because Dak's two and two as a starter since he's returned, and you're hearing all this Ooh. conversation about his numbers compared to Cooper Rush's numbers and the things that go along with that. And I'm like again. I'm not saying I really buy into any of that. It was never a quarterback controversy, no matter what Jerry Jones wanted to say, right? Right. But right. Yeah. it's got like it's got to get better. And this is one of those games where I think it's a great opportunity to go out there. Everyone involved understands that Dak's got to take care, better care of the football, though. Like there were a cut, like that first interception that he threw, where both those receivers in the same spot. That's not, like Dak. Dak's got to see that, even if it's in the receivers in the wrong, and say I'm not going to put the ball in harm's way there. Simplify the equation. Tony Pollard was still wicked productive last week. You go back to the well on that. CD Lamb running the ball, but also I didn't like the way he threw CD Lamb under the bus in that moment. What do you mean? He said that he said that those those uh, interception that interception was not on him. It was on the receiver. I mean, he's not wrong, and man, it's been a weird week of seeing athletes be very publicly critical of their teammates, and so maybe everyone's got to dial it back a smidge on that, like, right, just right, just right, in right. general, but again, that's that's my style of leadership that got me here versus Dak's style of leadership that I will never forget has been so lauded for so long. His college offensive coordinator mm-hmm. said that they, pu- they made their team huddle because he wanted Dak to be able to address the other 10 guys on offense before every play. This man is a well-thought-of wow. leader, and so so I don't feel, yeah, like I, I don't, I, I, that always stuck out to me. And so I always make sure that I'm like understanding that this is a guy that comes with pretty strong leadership bona fides. Like there are guys that coached him and Tim Tebow and still think as highly or more highly of Dak Prescott as a leader than they do of Tim. So, wow. I mean, that, that says a lot. I, I love Dakota. So I'm always a big fan of him and I, and I hope he does well. But it's one of those, you got to see it before you believe it with the Cowboys. I, I, th- I think I believe it with the Cowboys in this game. Like, I think 
everything about last week is a reminder to pull back the reins. And maybe Kellen Moore needs that reminder as much as anyone else, right? Mm. All we asked when Cooper Rush was in was, call the same offense, let's try and keep it the same way when Dak Prescott comes back. Lean on that ground game, understand what you've got there, and make that the focal point of your team, which then helps out the defense on the other side. Like They're, they're a team that has to right. live overwhelmingly in complementary football. It's gotta be about how everyone responds, because outside of that pass rush, and that pass rush is still an over overwhelming weapon but the run defense clearly at a point where it needs a little help and that help had been in the form of a ground game that was you know a 200 200 group the entire season thus far so all right guys let's talk about jaegermeister they could have written a totally normal ad here like a really classic ad they could have talked about their history the 56 botanicals it could have been all salesy and cutesy but they know you don't care Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So, wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. We've got that uh, in the world of NFL football, Brandon. We'll get to some picks as well in a little bit here. But we've also got college football uh, this weekend and wanted to just give a kind of a shout-out highlight to the Pac-12 because it's the center of the football universe this weekend. It is. So we've got the game of the weekend is UCLA versus USC. And we talked about the college football playoff committee's rankings, the results of last weekend where you had Oregon lose to Washington at home. You had UCLA get caught looking ahead and lose to Arizona. And now you've got USC as the lone remaining hope for the Pac-12's college football playoff hopes, even though they're the team getting ready to, you know, join the big 10 and learn about the joys of Midwestern ranch dressing. Um, this one's also interesting too, Brandon, because um, Dorian Thompson Robinson, the quarterback for UCLA, who is starting yes. in his fifth or excuse me, his fourth game in five years against USC, has straight up said, "Yeah, obviously we hate those guys across town." Like he That's, has made no bone, no bones about this, and comes into this very much because, like for Lincoln, he's new to USC. Their whole roster is a bunch of transfers. For DTR, this is very personal for him. That's a very real rivalry inside Los Angeles. I, I respect that, Mike, and be mainly because they're the have-nots, they're the Clippers uh, uh, of the uh, football yep. world in, in Los Angeles, but. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about. It. I'm glad that he cares that way, but it's 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 very odd to hear little brother barking at big brother. Well, I think it's one of those things, Brandon. It's kind of I would rather you have an attitude like that walking into this game right now. True. He did go out and say that um, when USC beat UCLA at the Rose Bowl um, last season. He said that players from USC cursed at them, flipped them off, and he wants to hang like 60 on them this week, Um, which they did last year. He had six touchdowns in the game last year. Like, DTR was that dude. So, uh, Brandon, I look at this one. 
What? Okay. No, I, I was about to, we're what? getting to the, we're getting to it. I, I was about to, you're, you're setting up what I was going to ask you. Cause I was just saying you would agree though, that USC is the better team here. I mean, I think they're very similar teams, right? And the fact that they don't both don't stop much of anything on defense and they both have really high-powered offenses. DTR and UCLA just happen to be the high-powered ground offense and USC is the one that hurts you through the air. Okay, yeah. I feel like it's clear that USC is a, a little bit more talented. Well, they're definitely more talented, but like... I want to see USC slow down this rushing attack that really, like, I know hasn't been maybe as locked and loaded in the last few weeks, but also, I don't know, man. I a Part of me just feels like this might be US, UCLA's time to shine. Okay. I hope. I mean, I want chaos. And obviously, USC and UCLA are on their way out. Is it, wait a minute. Is that, has that changed? Is UCLA staying? Uh, no, so I know that there's been some talk about like the larger uh, structures for the California state system trying to potentially change the possibility on that um, because UCLA is technically part of the Cal State uh, system. And so right. there was thoughts at the beginning and confusion at the beginning on what they would actually be allowed to do um, when it comes to leaving while the rest of the Cal State school system doesn't benefit from that. UCLA's two-point favorites in this game, Brandon, and we'll get to it in the picks, but I, I, I kind of am liking the two on this one. I kind of like UCLA in this play. I mean, there's going to be a, a shit ton of points. The number in this game is 76, which has been on par, on brand for this rivalry traditionally. I don't think I'm that rich. Like, that's a wild number and just, you know, I don't think you can play the over in that. But I don't know, man. There's something about the way that Chip Kelly has rebuilt this UCLA team in the last two years and the image that they've done it with and seeing them buzz through a team like Washington earlier this year and just kind of makes me wonder, all right, like USC, better along the line of scrimmage than we've seen. Caleb Williams is a Heisman contender. Jordan Addison, all these, I, I, I get it. Like everyone's mm -hmm. going to get theirs in scoring, but Man, again, maybe I'm just reacting to I like a pissed off quarterback going out here at the helm of a really fun zone read offense. Mike, you know I'm thirsty for the narrative play, and I think I need as as a as an alum from Notre Dame. I play football uh, for Notre Dame. I don't know if you knew this. Uh, I need USC to be the best they possibly can be for that last game of the season. So, well, that's going to be interesting because they've already like. They've already, so last weekend, die their great running back. Uh, really unfortunate. And you saw, like, it was a big moment for that USC team against Colorado. Left with an ankle injury and I believe is done for the rest of the season there. Really impacted yeah. the team. He'd been a super important guy in the middle of that offense. We don't often think of the USC running back when we think of the name brands in that offense. And so they're already limping into this game in that respect. And... I, I don't know, man. It just seems like for USC, the stretch that they've got coming up again, ranked opponent here in UCLA that is built to ground and pound you on offense. Defensively, probably not going to provide as much resistance. Both of these teams, again, not highly ranked on that side of the football. Notre Dame, mm -hmm. team that's going to try and beat you up on both lines of scrimmage. Like That's the chance yes. that Notre Dame's got to try and play in that game. 
Utah if that Always. ends up being the team, which is the other game in this weekend, Brandon. Utah and Man. Oregon squaring off in a massive game. Utah's only, or excuse me, USC's only loss was on the road, two point conversion to win it all by Utah in a game that, you know, hostile environment, game that meant a lot to them. They were remembering on their helmets two of their teammates that had fallen in recent years. There was a ton of emotion in that game. For Utah, if all of a sudden they're back in the saddle, if they can knock off an Oregon team that, as you pointed out yesterday, banged up Bo Nix coming off last week, and still just a good Utah team. If that happens, then all of a sudden that is three straight games that aren't just ranked opponents, but are that like meat grinder, like going to physically wear you out in a way that I just don't know if USC right now is as built to survive as they might be in in like a year or two. With the in the Big Ten, well, that too is going to be interesting in its own right. I mean, seeing those okay. kind of athletes on the field in the Big Ten that we haven't all like outside of Ohio State that we don't often get skill athletes of that caliber in that conference. You can maybe point to Penn State and some of the receivers they've had in recent years, but as far as yeah. having a quarterback that can do that same thing, like you know, it, it's been a little while well, since Trace McSorley was at the helm. <laughs> right. Well, that's why I think that you talked about the similarities between USC and UCLA. I was like, I kind of feel like this is kind of a product of being in the same conference as well. And like the the monkey see, monkey do nature that happens when it comes to like trying to be competitive and win these uh, football games. That's why I'm more interested as you talk about moving down the line, because Utah is the best at this out of every everyone in the Pac-12 right now. But I, I'm interested in how USC fares once they, you know, line up against the Penn States of the world. I think you see USC is gonna be fine. Like they're they're the they're not the one I worry oh, I think about. It's fine. Ton. I just, just like the, the hybrid, the mix of it. I'm interested in seeing the football blending. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, the Oregon Utah game. I I had Oregon week one. I haven't watched enough of them really since that USC game to feel like I've got an accurate read on that game. I do think pretty highly of the Ducks. I love what they've done in that offense with Bo Nix, but they've got a couple of people banged up at the center of that. We mentioned Bo Nix injured on the last drive of that game. Alex Forsythe, their center, I think, is a little banged up on an offensive line that didn't give up a sack through like the first half and change of this season. Friend of this podcast. Yeah, friend of the podcast, Alex Forsythe. So, yeah, all of those things. That one's a little harder to call for me, but again, the result of that, really important because those are the teams sitting right behind USC in the conference championship race that are in the race to try and figure out who's going to face them should USC get out of this thing alive this weekend. So... It uh, a lot of state. Like again, as we look at the college football playoff rankings, we got this last week. USC's already got their work cut out for them because they're behind two loss LSU. Yes, yes, yes. Um, can I give you a quick rumor mill talk? Please. Apparently, there is a plane from Auburn heading to Ole Miss, possibly to pick up some head coach. And I'm only talking about that because Western Kentucky plays Auburn this week, and I think that could be a really good way for Auburn to uh, finalize this this season for them is to, to get to beat by a, a best of the rest team in Western Kentucky. God, I mean, we knew he was going to be one of the names that they were going after for that job. Whew. We haven't said the name yet, but. Let's see. So I just saw this. Um, Richard Cross, who is works at the SEC Network, uh, covers Ole Miss 
apparently put out a report that Lane Kiffin is received. Like, I'm so hesitant because in like the blue check mark, check mark day and age, he's followed yes. by a bunch of people that I know, and so I'm a little worried about doing hey. this and spreading any sort of misinformation. I said rumor mill. I said rumor mill. If we say it's gossip, oh yeah, <laughs> strictly talking talking gossip right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, anyone who at any point in the way didn't expect that this to happen very obvious candidate for them to take a swing at here i still said the other day man just quality of lifestyle probably wouldn't have me over on the plane like probably wouldn't have me over on the planes doing that but lane kiffin these coaches they're all hyper competitive they're all people that want to have the best possible backing and the most possible resources and so maybe that ends up being the case but uh boy would that add to a uh, wild weekend on the field that we've already got for college football um all right brandon uh speaking of that time to stop hemming and hawing and get some damn picks around here uh six thick picks and brandon's no rut november pick uh he'll give one pick there as we had for the spooky october underdog play brandon four and two since he started doing these picks on the year we started doing in the middle because we're figuring this shit out of the fly uh i've been doing three college three pro since the beginning of the season again we're not great right now 25 38 and 3 we're trying to climb out of that hole college football this weekend tcu minus two and a half versus baylor i know baylor is not 28 points worse than kansas state like we saw last weekend i covered that game the better there's a better team that showed up on tape pretty consistently for Baylor it just was one of those games where things snowball pretty quick that being said I think TCU passed a pretty stiff text last week and they can smell what's in front of them right now they got it laid out I think they can win out here and have a path to the college football playoff and this seems like a mature enough team to be able to handle that I'll take TCU minus two and a half in that game UCLA plus two I'm doing it I'm pulled to my nose and I'm going and I'm thinking that UCLA and this rushing attack can chew up USC. And then, Brandon, Iowa over, Iowa unders have been the flavor of the entire year. But I think I finally found the one game where I can look and say, no, this is too much. Iowa versus Minnesota, the number was set at 32. I'm taking the over in this game. Iowa put up 24 points last week. I think Minnesota... Um, better situation there still a really good defense but that was the case when they played wisconsin too so i'm gonna hope you know go the over on that one in college football nfl uh dallas minus one minus one and a half versus minnesota vegas seems to know something i'm gonna follow them i'll take speaking of vegas the raiders plus two versus denver i don't think they want to see Derek carr cry again it's just that simple browns versus bills over 48 and a half now that we are on a dry track in this game that's what i got brandon where are you at Mike, I am going over to the AFC East, the very, very sexy AFC East. And we're all talking about it. Obviously, the Bills run that division. But the Patriots versus the Jets. The Jets are going to New England. And I like the Jets, plus three and a half. Traditionally, the Patriots always beat up on the Jets. I think the last time uh, the Jets beat the Patriots was in overtime in 2015. So uh, they usually have their number, but I think the Jets uh, are better than the Patriots this year. I think they'll show it uh, the way that this Jets team has performed against teams that usually have their number. I think this is another uh, iteration of this. I'm not saying that they're going to win, but I do, I do say Jets take the points plus three and a half. 
All right, there we go. Brandon, listen, you fared pretty well. I am so inside my own head with these picks at this point that I've been staring at the numbers all day long trying to make them make sense. I thought about fading myself and just reversing polarity on all of them, but we let go and let God, man. So we're going to make this work. You've been working pretty well so far. So I have a lot of faith in you and very little in myself. Well, thank you, Mike. I have faith in you if no one else does. Brandon, I appreciate that. But Brandon, thank you. more than anything, you know what I appreciate about you? What is that? The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Uh, you're around to answer very important questions. And before we get to that very important question, Brandon, we've got something we got to pay off from yesterday here. We have a promise that we made to the people before we get to this, that, and the third to finish off the day. Um, yes. Brandon, we had yesterday hit God's internet, and since been deleted, by the way, a <gasps> yes. notorious member of Minnesota Vikings Twitter release a list of the quarterbacks in the NFL ranked according to handsomeness by his quote-unquote girlfriend that skewed impossibly white in a way that was a massive dog whistle to everyone on the internet that we all looked at with a side eye, especially from the fact <laughs> that we let off that list. And for anyone that missed it, that, that list had Kirk Cousins at number one, Mac Jones at number three, Daniel Jones at eight, Carson Wentz at 10, Jimmy Garoppolo not showing up all the way at 11 because apparently he was too tan to be inside that top 10 based on the way that this list was structured. And every single quarterback of color starting from 22 on down to the last 32, Brandon. So you and I... Uh, Talked about, had a lot of criticism criticism for this list and said, we don't need to talk about it. Mike. We need to be about it. We wanted to simplify and do a top five, though. Yes, Mike. But also, how did that person, amongst putting that list together to put on the internet, not see what we saw and, and help their girlfriend, alleged girlfriend out? Or maybe this is just content. Maybe this is just like manufactured, like the Powerpuff Girls. You just sugar and spice and everything nice and, and have something to talk about. Uh, so again, rumor mill stuff. I've heard some less than stellar things about this person's presence on Minnesota Vikings Twitter that may line wow. up with the way that this list was structured. So again, wow. not going to get too much into it because just rumors, not facts. But well, all of that, basically, yeah. No, listen. That's why we ask the question. This is a safe space for us to yeah. share ideas and for us to talk about and exchange information. That being said, Brandon, 
You and I were going to put together one list. You decided you wanted to do two separate lists for our top five handsome quarterbacks in the NFL. <laughs> and I have to say, right now, we graduated a lot of handsome out of the league. We're at a bit of a changing of the guard sure. to where I think we've got some guys that are up and coming that are going to be in a better place in a few years once the money continues to sink in. But we're going with what yes. we've got right now. So do you want to start off? Do you want me to go first? How do you want to do this, Brandon? Uh, we can we can snake it, and I'll start. Um. All right, coming in at number five. Coming in at number five. Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. I know he's thinned out. I know he looks like a mannequin. Yeah. I know he has sunken cheeks. I know he seems to be thinning with his uh, Brink skater boy haircut. But he's young. He's newly single. I think he's going to have some new fun with Gronk this offseason. And let's be real. In a league where, like you said, graduated a lot of handsome, there's not a lot of options there. Tom Brady used to be number one. Now he's in the bottom. Now he's in the top five. Yeah, Brandon, I had him in the same spot. And I know I said uh, when that list came Ooh. out, they had Ryan Tannehill at five. And I said he was properly ranked. I had to really check myself there and understand that. Well, Ryan Tannehill, to me, is a top eight still. He's probably just on the outside of this looking in if we were going to do this college football playoff style. Tom Brady does deserve that credit. He's the only person I've been around in person that had a legit glow, like that Prince aura that you saw on the Chappelle mm. show sketch that they talked about. Brady had yep. that legitimately one of the most handsome people I've ever seen in person. So yeah, he's number five on my list too. Okay. Awesome. Uh, I won't spend as much time with my next one. Cause we haven't really got to see him play quarterback, but me, my likes, my skills, what I, what I appreciate in a man. I think Trey Lance is number four. Yeah, Brandon, you said this to me, and I just – I don't think I fully understand it. Again, I think there's potential <laughs> there. I think we're a few years away. I, I don't know. Just I don't know if he's that handsome right now. These guys are so young. I Okay. I mean, I hear you. I But he, he's the only one – he's the only current NFL quarterback that looks the most like Marcus Freeman. So, like, that, let that sit, sink in with you while you're thinking about who's handsome. He said, hold that real quick. Um, Brandon, number four on my list, uh, bearded Andy Dalton. He had a yes. Joe Flacco-like glow up with the facial hair and the hair up top. I understand redheads aren't for everyone, but, man, I got to give credit where credit's due. Striking. A, a man who's looked lost before his beard. Lord knows he'd be in the top five ugly before he grew that thing early in his days in, in Cincinnati. And, and respect, respect's due. He's rustic. He, he he looks he looks weathered to the T. <laughs> yes, he does. He looks like he looks like he'd be scraping barnacles off the side of a ship if he wasn't playing quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> Shouts out to J uh, Jane Falco, uh, Shane Falco, excuse me, um, from the replacements. Uh, coming in number three, Mike. I think I, I think I have to do I think I have to do Zach Wilson. I think I have to do Zach Wilson here. Interesting. You, 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 I, and, and it's the exact opposite. We're talking about facial hair. But, like, here, here's my one uh, take for him and how handsome he is. If he, if he has a wig on, he may be a beautiful woman. Brandon, are you responding to that internet thing we saw the other day where they made all the NFL quarterbacks into women? <laughs> You've I got mean, that stuck I'm in your sorry. craw, and that's why you've got Zach Wilson on this list. Oh my God, bro, too horny, bro. I think, 
I think it's I think it's I mean you could ask his his mother's friends, but I think it's not even debatable how <laughs> handsome Zach Wilson is. That is true. Shout out to the debatable. mill punter. Uh no, it, listen, you're right. The pr- the proof is in the preseason pudding. Uh, Zach Wilson got that dog in him. Um, Brandon, number three for me, Dak Prescott. This was one that a lot of people were up in arms about on this list. Um, yeah. And I, I had to, like, it wasn't right away, but then as I looked and did the research on this, I was like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. Like, very sturdy, man's man type guy. Yeah, I, Mike, I didn't believe you. I didn't want to see it. And then while putting this list together, thinking about what you would have said, I looked at Dak Prescott. I looked at Dakota in his face, D- Dakota Rain Prescott. I looked at him in his face, Mike, and perfect segue. I got him as number two. Wow. All right. Stunned. Well, <laughs> just let's keep I, it in the NFC East. I, I have Jalen Hurts yeah. at number two. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've, I've said well, since day one, man, presi- presidential, presidential, yeah. put together, yeah. got it, like, it, it just, everything, and part of this is also vibes, just great vibes, an air of confidence oh. that's elevated, I think, bef- above where I thought his physical gifts would place him in the NFL. I, obviously, this isn't his first year, Mike, but he has a command of the room. It's almost like, talking about handsome quarterbacks, the way Cam Newton acted like he had command over uh, the press conference Obviously got exposed when he started answering questions in a not uh, not buttoned up way. Uh, it's like, what, what do you think? How do you? What do you love hearing girls talk about running routes? Uh, but yeah. Jalen Hurts, though, Mike. Jalen Hurts. Gosh, man, it's like it's like Dosecki's, like the, the most interesting man, the most handsome man. Like he's he's like it was like he was born he to be there. He does have NFL's most interesting man of the world vibes to him. That's a great call yes. on Jalen. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Ooh, I, I, let's. I'll use that as a segue. I'll use that as a segue. Jalen Hurts is my number one, Mike. I honestly think this man is the most attractive man in the NFL. Like, there's something about him. It's not just the uh, allure. It's not just the stats. It's not even the success. It's just like he is a handsome gentleman who like. I remember back in the day, it was like when he had his helmet off, the cameras couldn't stay off of him. In college, in the NFL, anytime Jalen Hurts was around, the cameras went to him, and it was fun. It was nice watching him. He's a handsome guy. Uh, Brandon, I, Jimmy Garoppolo is number one on the list. I, you don't have Jimmy in the top five. I am I took baffled. Him, I took him. I, t- I, I started, Mike, is what I said before. I take you not smiling. If there was a smiling list, Jimmy G would be number one. My list Brandon, would be completely rearranged. My, re- my, my whole list would be completely rearranged if it was about smiling. The only difference is Zach Wilson probably goes to number five. If, if we're talking about not smiling, Kirk Cousins actually gets himself into conversations he wouldn't be otherwise. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. But, okay. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Listen, those are our top fives at Gojo Show on Twitter. You can let us know what you think of this list that is at least done based on our tastes and not based on right. views of a particular skin color. Um, Brandon, yes. Wait, did with you see all that being mine. Did you see Jimmy G at that game? No. What'd he do? He was at the Warriors game with George Kittle. And it looked like Kyle Hughes checked, but I can't confirm. He was just a, a thick white dude sitting next to Jimmy G and, 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 and George Kittle. But the entire Warriors cheerleading uh, like team went all straight to Jimmy G and said hi. 
Yeah, understandably. Best as Stephen A calls him, that's porn star Jimmy. Like I don't know, man. Baff, baffled by your choices here, but again, they're your own, and I will respect them because we all get to have a valued perspective on this. Brandon, I might have questions about your list. I have an even more important question, though, for you. Do you know what time it is? Yes! Yes! It's Friday! I'm bringing energy! Ooh! 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 I'm cold! Mm. You ready for this, Mike? 369, damn you fine. Hope she sock it to me one more time. Get low, get low, get low, get low, get low, get low, get low. To the windows, to the walls, to the wall, to the this, that, and the third, the third, to all these topics. The all ski ski, mother father, the all ski ski, gosh darn, gosh darn, the all ski ski, mother father, all ski ski, gosh darn, gosh darn. I appreciate that you gave us the kids' bop version, but still kept skeet in. Uh, think about my edits are biblical. There, there we go. Brandon walks with the Lord. You can, uh, as always, download, subscribe, rate, review, Gojo, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five star rating and give Brandon a review of his walk through the Lord with the Lord with music. Um, Brandon, uh, let's get to this. We mentioned Dallas's rushing issues. We know they showed up for Philadelphia this past weekend as well. Uh, the Eagles decided to go ahead and fix that. Howie Roseman and company went out and signed defensive tackle and Dominican Sue to a one-year deal. One day after signing defensive tackle Linval Joseph to a one-year deal. I saw Chris Long over in the green light pod throughout those names and called this shot pretty strong on that one. Uh, they're not going to wait for Jordan Davis to get back healthy, Brandon. The Eagles appear content to go all, continue to go all in the way they did trying to uh, going and trading for Robert Quinn at the deadline, the way they did trading yeah. for A.J. Brown in the draft. Oh, yeah. I forgot that. It, uh, wow. Uh, yeah, talk about the most interesting man in football. Nadam Kinsu is that for the D-line, always has been. Uh, very happy to see him on a contending team. But but damn, like I, if this doesn't work, like if this doesn't stop the bleeding for them, I don't know what they're gonna do. Yeah, I mean, we 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 talked to Ben Solak. A lot of this is also about the structure of the defense and you know the way that their coordinator Rich Gannon has gone about this. And so I think that you know keeping that in mind. Excuse me, Jonathan Gannon, Rich Gannon, Jesus Christ, brain fart. Uh, Jonathan Gannon has gone about uh, doing things structurally on that defense against the run. But again, if you're an Eagles fan, while I'm sure you've been frustrated about the lack of rush defense and the missing of Jordan Davis, got to continue to applaud your team for going out there and doing whatever is possible at any given moment to try and make this thing work over the course of the season. Um, True. Brandon, speaking of things not working, let's get to that. That was an announcement that came yesterday from Ticketmaster. You guys have heard me Ooh. complain, like a lot of other people on the internet, about what's going on with the Taylor Swift Eras Tour ticket sales uh, through Ticketmaster. And the yes. announcement came down yesterday that due to extraordinarily high demand on ticket systems and insufficient remaining ticket inventory to meet that demand, the public on sale for Taylor Swift Eras Tour that was supposed to happen on Friday has been canceled. Now, Brandon, in the last few Ooh. days, as this has all gone on, 
everyone has rightly pointed out, plenty of people, that Ticketmaster has a monopoly on this, that their merger with Live Nation should have never been allowed, that they don't have Mm. to really do anything they don't want to do because like when we talk about Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, They've got basically complete control over this, although theirs was done from a monopoly. Jim, uh, excuse me, uh, Jimbo Fisher's was done because Texas A&M gave him a shit ton of money. Either way, what happened next was the, and I want to get his title right here. Good look. Yeah, no, it's 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 a battle right now. So we had some guy named Greg, who I think is the CEO of Ticketmaster, was on the news talking about what had gone wrong with all this and the difficulty in trying to go about this and actually had the nerve to out in public say, well, you know, Taylor Swift, she hasn't gone on tour in like three or four years. There's been three or four albums. And so with all this demand, essentially tried to blame Taylor Swift for not going on tour for the reason being that why this all happened. Wow. And that's probably, unfortunately, just something he heard somewhere in the in the master quarters of of the ticketing uh castle you know what i mean like that's, that doesn't even sound like rhetoric from this man he 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 unfortunately didn't realize he was throwing shade on taylor and it's going to fall back negatively on him well brandon i don't know if he realized it or not he had the kind of smirk on his face during this that I don't know, reeked of someone who understands that they're pretty unassailable at this point where Ticketmaster is. I just wonder if Taylor Swift fans and maybe Taylor herself, depending, we haven't heard from her in this process. There's a lot of people upset with everyone involved for how this has gone. You wonder if this is just as mo- enough of a motivated group of people to finally tear down the monopoly that they feel like this company has had on the ticket industry for quite some time. You think this might force Ticket to get a new master? just might brandon it just might either way it's been it's been a disaster i feel bad for everyone that has like i did want to go to this tour and wasn't lucky enough to get in on the pre-register was counting on this the secondary market is already so full of people trying to make way too much money off demand for a tour that's going to be one of the biggest in history like it shattered already a bunch of single day ticket records through Ticketmaster. it's going to be a a titan of this industry and it just sucks because there's a lot of people that love her music that i think lost out on the opportunity because of how fucked up and convoluted this process was so uh swifty's gonna she's gonna you don't think you don't think she's gonna like taylor swift make this up like she's gonna like continue to go on tour like take a six-month break and then keep like run it back or something like i feel like she'll make this right She's already added so many dates to this tour, Brandon. It's a massive stadium tour. It's, I think, like 52 shows or something around 50 shows over the next... It's it's an incredible amount of shows in the next calendar year in massive venues. I know she's a machine, but I just wonder how much anyone's Mm. got in the tank for that. But we'll see. We'll see how she attempts to make this right. If she does, we still haven't heard from her. All these things coming up. But again, Ticketmaster's CEO coming out and saying that Taylor Swift not going on tour in a few years increased demand in a way that they couldn't prepare for feels insane given the way that this system was set up and supposed to work. But maybe there's something I'm missing. Maybe there's something I don't know, but it just seems like a broken system that's been broken for a while, having the pipes flushed in the biggest possible way on the biggest public stage. And uh, things not going great. Brandon, let's get to the third. Uh, The third is... Talk about things not going great. Well, I, 
We'll see, Brandon. So uh, Okay. Yeah. So Frontier Airlines announced a new promotion. It's an all-you-can-fly promotion that offers pass holders unlimited domestic flights, including Puerto Rico. It's a first-come, first-serve, go-wild pass that's available through November 16th. At the So that was available until Wednesday of this week with an introductory price of $599 per person, Brandon. Um, essentially, once you had that pass, you'd be able to go on the Frontier Miles account, search and book day up to the day before, and pay only one cent for airfare, plus of pickable taxes, fees, and charges. Now, like anything else with this, Brandon, I've flown Spirit before. They charge you for the bag. They charge you for the seats. They charge you for pretty much everything else along the way. After getting in, it's what yes. budget airlines do. But what was your first thought when you saw this pass? Uh, poor Frontier Airlines. Uh, I didn't even know about these budget airline things until we got in college, Mike. Uh, Michelle and I went on our spring break trip for senior year to Boston and flew Spirit, which I didn't know they could make aluminum planes. And also, I love that they named it that because you get closer to God because, you know, the fear of almost passing. So back in July, Mike, Frontier and Spirit, the two budget airlines, were trying to merge. Right, they're they're attempting to merge and possibly get bought out by JetBlue. On July 27th, JetBlue pushed Frontier out of this deal, bought Spirit outright for 3.8 billion dollars, and now Frontier is just asked out. So they're really they're really like this this uh, promotion is probably the last ditch effort for this this airline to stay afloat, but. $600 for a fly anywhere. Like, I can't imagine what the other, like, obviously there's more costs and stuff. Like, I imagine it would be like, end up being $800 out the gate because you do have to pay for everything else around the air flights. But but treat, treating this like a a, a season pass at, at Six Flags is some wild shit. Hey, man, listen, you got to adjust to the market. And again, I don't want to like put anything down like, you know, Flying is a very expensive and difficult process. If this does, like, I'm leery of trusting anyone that's a part of big airline structures because you want to talk about groups that have us by the balls. It's the airlines because they know we need them. And for a while, they have treated us that way. And so, man, yes. if this gives some people an affordable option because flying is expensive as shit right now, as someone who flies every week for work, I can't attest to this. But, um, like you said, it just, I, I, I've, I've flown it before. And it's amazing how quickly you can. And watch those costs add up with all of a sudden you're not prepared like they charge you for everything but okay for what's your do you mind saying your favorite airline is that too personal is that my favorite airline you're voting for yeah um well i fly delta most often i'm a proud platinum medallion okay. mem member so i uh i, I okay I, leave I, live, I live and breathe there but you know i fly them all okay okay let's leave it there leave it there leave it there um for Delta, how much do you think a Go Wild Pass annual pass for Delta is actually worth? Like, and not, and obviously thinking of not always thinking about your medallion perks because you probably are thinking about those 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 like those you know, soft towels and, and snacks and shit. But just like the flight, Go Wild all year long, how much is that actually you think's worth? Oh, I couldn't even begin to put a number on that, Brandon. Like it's it's. It'd be it'd be worth a fair amount, like thousands of dollars. 
they, they, I think they would probably have to put it in like mild tears if they were actually thinking about doing it because I don't know. Like, obviously, I, I don't have time right now. I, I have children, so I wouldn't even buy into this. But I do think it's an interesting, like you said, you got to play with the market. Like, I'd be interested if this becomes more normal. Like, maybe they're they're setting setting the tone on the way out. Not to wish bankruptcy on I them. Doubt. I doubt it. But good luck to everyone involved here. Uh, as always, we appre appreciate you flying with us here on the Gojo Show. If you enjoyed it, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel as well under the Gojo with Mike Golo Jr. tab on there. Thanks so much. Enjoy the football weekend. Stay safe. We'll talk to you Monday.